Casey List is back because there's a lot of Apple stuff to talk about. Hi, Casey. Hello. How are you, my friend? I'm very good. Today, today was a fun day watching the news. So uh, I'm just glad to, have, glad to have any excuse to invite you back on the show because, uh, you know, it's the time <laughs> that we get to catch up the most and, and, and chat. And I think the last time was uh, last iPhones, right? I think that's the last time we, we chatted on the show anyway. that's right. Yeah, hopefully if I do well tonight, you'll invite me back in like a month when we get new iPhones. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, what I mean it's it's going to be. There's still a lot of probable announcements before the end of the mm-hmm. year, so I don't know. This could, I, I might be doing like two shows a week until New Year's. It feels like, but <laughs> I mean, you might that, be stuck with me for a thing. while. Oh man, that's the funny thing. I like every tech show is talking about this, but this feeling of that like normal life is is like oh nothing's never new, nothing's changing, every day's the same, but then. What you see on the internet, like tech life, is like, wow, there is just so much news nonstop, yep. um, which is, yeah. I don't know, it gives us stuff to talk about, so that's fun. Yeah, it's funny. The the not-so-busy summer has turned into a relatively busy summer. Usually, you know, for people in my line of work, and I'm basically a talking head about Apple-related stuff, normally summer really isn't that busy. Normally, summer, is, we're scraping at the bottom of the barrel to talk about things on, right, yeah. on ATP, and, and now it's been like nonstop. It's been over and over, all new things, new drama, new excitement and so uh thankfully we we are getting a reprieve from the drama i think and we're going to get some excitement this time which i'm really really excited about well and to, to reintroduce you for anybody that uh, if, if there is anybody that doesn't already listen to atb <laughs> oh, uh, that, that is your that is your uh your big tech show and then you also do analog where you talk about more real life stuff um which i, I also strongly recommend so um everybody uh yeah, everybody go check it out and uh, so I was cramming for this. So here, my little bit of a <laughs> keynote story today, I I had to stop watching halfway through. So I didn't get the full live oh, experience. No. Um, I had to run off and do some stuff. And then um, I've been trying to like catch up with everything and, and know as much mm-hmm. as I can uh, in the, kind of the end of the day. So I, th- I think I'm all good to go. I was telling you that just before uh, calling you, I was listening to Upgrade because they, you know, mm-hmm. they always try to get out the podcast on the same day and I was listening it at like just whatever the things after two X I was at like 2.5 X. I'm like, okay, I got to like get the info in before. Cause it's, I mean, it was only an hour this year, right? Relatively short for an an hour and five or something like that. Yeah. But it was a lot of the interesting stuff is kind of in the details. Um, You know, when an Mm -hmm. iPhone comes out, there's a lot of like really big items that you can just talk about for hours. And I feel like in in, in this one, it was um, a lot of, smaller things, but that will have long-term big effects. So it almost takes a, l- a little bit more digging to find the most interesting stories here. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's that's how I took it anyway. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I was thinking about it. So I watched it live or I mean, like live with air quotes because, you know, it was all pre-recorded, but I watched it as it was being streamed and it was good. It definitely felt more like an extended Apple commercial than your average keynote and I think part of that was because it didn't, it didn't feel to me like there was that much that was really, I don't want to say exciting and I don't want to say revolutionary. I think both of those words are overblown, but there was not that much that I could grab onto and be like, yes, that's what I need in my life. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that's fine, but it, it made for a shorter presentation. Like, like we said, it was only about an hour, hour and five, something like that. And it made for one that, I, it's hard for me to pick out exactly what I think the most impressive thing was. And I left the presentation. I enjoyed it for sure. But, but at the same time, I, I, I'm not running out to buy a new Apple watch series six. 
I'm not running out to buy a new iPad, even though both of those actually are fairly compelling. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a second. But, you know, even if you ask me, what is the, the star feature of the Series 6 Apple Watch? Uh, blood oxygen saturation, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Like, and I don't mean new that bands? in a nasty way. Yeah. I mean, it's in new bands. Like, yeah. I, I, it's not that these are bad things. And it's it, to some degree a testament to how well Apple has been doing recently and how mature these products are. But at the same time, you know, when, when the iPhone 11 came out last year, you know, suddenly we had a third camera lens and that was a big deal, especially for, I don't know, photographers. And so Still uh, you, know, you could cling deal. to that. Exactly. And you could cling to that and say, okay, this is, this is it. The, the, the third camera lens on the 11 Pro, that's a big deal. And I think part of me is probably underselling the, uh, the pulse ox, the pulse ox oximetry, like blood oxygen saturation. I'm probably underselling that, especially given what's going on all around us right now. But I was, I don't know what I expected, but I, I, I certainly, there was nothing that made me say, I got to go get a watch and I got to get it now. You know what I mean? How did you feel about it? Do you, what, what, are you an Apple watch wearer and what are you coming from? I am, yeah. So I've been wearing the five all year, and um, okay. I, I was saying the same things. Uh, I just like tweeted a you know an, um, iPhone wish list kind of recently, um, and I feel like I I almost phrased it wrong because I was like you know I was so happy with the iPhone eleven that these you know these are the my, my wish list this year is pretty simple. And then I named a bunch of things, and I realized like I'm actually asking for big things. But what I meant to say was that. I don't really care that much about any of my wish list because the 11 was so good. And we're in a bit of the same situation with the watch that the huge item for me was always on that forever since the beginning of Apple watch. That was the thing that really kept me from wearing it all the time because I'd look at my watch and it was, it looks like a TV screen that's turned off, right? It's just a black yep. void on your wrist. And so having that added, and then um, I I don't know how things panned out for you, because did, did you have one last year? I, I, I thought, how I at least heard you talk about this. Uh, did you get a, a new Apple Watch? Which one are you Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I was coming off a three and I did get a five, but the big difference for me was I dropped from the 45 was it 42 millimeter in the three series, which was the big boy at the time? Well, then they went in the series four, which I did not have. They went to 44 and 40. And I felt like 44 would just, seemed a little too big. I have these little itty bitty wrists. And for those of you who are watching on video, you can see that, but I have these little <laughs> itty bitty wrists and, no, same and it just, here. I, I'm in the same and, boat. And so for me, I felt like the 44 millimeter was just too much. And so I dropped down to the 40, which in and of itself, like in daily use is fine. But the problem I have with it is that the battery life when it first came out was atrocious. And I think that was largely a software problem. Then after like a month or two, it got better for sure. Um, but I've found now almost a year on, if I don't like not top it up, but at least give it a little booster, you know, like a, like a cup of coffee, if you will, in the middle of the day, then lasting the whole day is tough. Now it is a cellular series five. That being said, I don't typically use the cellular features unless I'm like going out for a run or something like that. So hypothetically it shouldn't matter because the cellular radio shouldn't be on because it's talking through my iPhone. Um, but nevertheless, it is asking a lot from a very small device. And so I was doing this math figuratively and literally Earlier tonight, you know, should I get a Series 6? And generally, I, I don't go annually on the watches. I usually wait. I went Series 0 to Series 3, 3 to 5. And again, on paper, there's like no real reason for me to go to the 6. I already have Always On. You know, I already have a cellular one, and that's not new. And I could do it again if I want. Um, but I'm already getting a little nervous about battery life on the one I have. 
and it seems like it's going to be better in the series six and also a newer battery always helps. And then this, this, oxygen meter, I'm getting the wrong terminology, I apologize, but the, the pulse ox thing, this new sensor, given that I am on the more paranoid side when it comes to COVID stuff, and given that I'm an American, so I kind of have to be paranoid right now because we are not in a good spot, um, that is extremely appealing to me. And the more I think about it, the more I wonder, you know, is the combination of a brand new battery and a more efficient processor in concert with this new health sensor, is that enough to get me to spend the money to get a new one for myself and for my wife? And sitting here now, I'm still ever so slightly leaning towards no, but I'm really bad at sticking with it when I say no. So it's a pretty good chance sometime in the next few days, I'll probably end up ordering a couple, but we'll see. So where's the math coming down for you? Well, yeah, this has really been... um... So I, I had the same story with the battery life. That's what I was going to mention is that at the beginning, uh, I was really having some issues. Like it was dying instantly and it just seemed to work itself out. Like it just, I don't know, it stopped. I kind of forgot that it had been an issue until today. I was like, oh yeah, right. Last year that was a problem. But um, my my watch really never dies before the end of the day. Pretty much never. Like, yeah, unless I uh, didn't fully charge it and I tried to boost it in the morning, something like that. But typically I get it all day long. So it, it stopped being a problem for me. Um, and it was actually interesting because when they talked about the, uh, brighter outdoor always on display, which is very oh, appealing yeah. to me because mm, I couldn't mm-hmm. complain about that with the five. That, <laughs> it, it is pretty dim outside. Um, sure. but what they, they mentioned it in connection to the new, uh, what's the processor in there? The S six. Is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yep. they were saying that was enabling it. I'm like, why? Like, why does that the, the screen be brighter outdoors? But sure interesting so I, I don't know i wonder if that means something different for how it'll affect battery life or i'm not sure I, I, I but i think it's that's it's a great feature that it's brighter and as long as they can maintain that battery life i think that's going to be great so anyway it, you know where i'm going to come down on it i i think in general people should think about their upgrade cycle for watches similar to the phones that every year is that's really often like that's yeah. you know enthusiast with money to burn uh often like <laughs> if you have a podcast where you talk about it every week then it makes sense right, but right, right. It, right. it would be really weird for everybody to upgrade um both their watch and their phone every year that'd be kind of crazy yeah. um and yeah i think the the it becomes a more reasonable question at the two-year mark like mm-hmm. is it is it is it always worth it to upgrade every two years? So looking back now, I'm forgetting what the four, I mean, from the four, like, yeah, absolutely. Cause I already thought that was a great upgrade from the five. It was already worth it. So if you waited this long, it's like a no brainer. So I think, I think that's kind of the better metric. Cause I think it's, that's like a more realistic upgrade cycle. And based on that, then this is a, a, a total win. Um, and you know, and then I think the, uh, the Apple watch is in the best place it's, it's ever been. I mean, obviously, but uh, yeah, I like yep. it. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly um, from series four or younger. Absolutely. Or excuse me, series four or older. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you upgrade if you have the money to do so um, from series five? Again, it's it's a tough call, but I think I would guess that the, the, the S6 supporting the brighter display is probably less about uh, the, the processor itself and more about the power consumption and perhaps by the processor being ever more efficient, that leaves more extra battery life yeah. to crank up the brightness on the display or something like that. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, and, and I'll just say anybody that's, you know, feeling a little bit of FOMO cause 
Either they think they don't want to upgrade, but they want it. Um, uh, you know, I'd still say the things I use my watch for the most have actually been around for a while, and they're still going to be in the Apple Watch SE and in the Series Three, even which is just like text notifications. I mean, that's that's so much of it. I, I only have notifications on. No, no, wait. I guess I have it for. I only have like uh, full notifications on for my wife, and then I can check other people's messages. Um, but like, I use that a lot. I use timers. Um, it's like, it's very basic stuff, you know, or in Siri, I, you know, play music while I'm driving, uh, for example, or, uh, like just trick triggering stuff. Things that have been around for a while are still my favorite features about the watch. So even though it is getting better every year, I don't think anybody has to f- feel too bad if they're still using something old- older or want to buy either the SE or the three this year, if they're still in a, in a good place. Yeah, I agree. And for me as well, most of the stuff I do on my watch is absolutely like the out of the box stuff and stuff that an older watch would do just fine. Um, I do like having a cellular watch for the occasions when I want to go for a run with just like an AirPod, you know, my AirPods and nothing else. That's really convenient. It's not do or die by any means. And it's again, something that you could do on older watches as well. Um, I'm also really intrigued. You mentioned the, the Apple watch SE a minute ago. I'm really intrigued by that. And to be honest, I'm still not entirely clear what the actual differences are between the two. It seems like it's almost yeah, all of the six. <laughs> it seems like it's almost all the six, but an older processor. And I think it still has the always on display. I'm not even 100% sure of it, to be honest. But it's it's a pretty compelling option as well if you don't want the literal latest and greatest. And and so I've, I do. I, yeah, I, I've I, got it in front of me. So I've got like the, the note point form breakdown of everything. Oh, and good. It okay. is the same processor as the Series 5. Uh, okay, it does yep. not have always on display. Oh, um, okay. There's a big difference. Then. And it does have the gyroscope, uh, mm-hmm. always on, uh, altimeter, altimeter and full detection. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so that's the big difference uh, is I mean, the always on display. And that makes a big yeah, difference in quality of life the with the watch. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So then, uh, that makes me a little more passive on the SC then. Cause the, the always on display, as you had said earlier, the always on display makes a tremendous, tremendous difference. And it was such an, a, a small annoyance, with my older watches, but it was a small annoyance that happened always, you know, the oh so common phrase, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts or whatever. Um, that, that was it. And, you know, anytime I have to tap the watch in order to see what's go- what time it is, is very frustrating. And I still get that from time to time with my series five, because maybe I want to see like the most recent notification and it doesn't realize that I'm looking at it yet. Or I want to see something on my, one of my complications that's hidden for privacy reasons or what have you. Sometimes I do need to tap it to tell it, no, 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 I'm looking at you, you know, show me what's going on, but that doesn't happen nearly as often. And, and when I just want to look and see, oh, it's you know such and such time then it's easy to do and and there's nothing stopping me coincidentally i just looked i'm pantomiming this as i'm as i'm talking about it and i just looked and i have 10 percent power remaining so and it's only it's only (laughs) better at night where i am right okay Uh, yeah so that's that's like cutting it a little bit close you uh you know you're still watching some movies or something it could be dead by the time you go to bed I mean, I'm getting um, to be an old man now, so it's it's not that far from bedtime, but still, it's uh, it's quite a bit earlier than it would normally be, you know. So well, I, uh, it's I, and I didn't Apple, get to top it off today. I think they really wanted to position it in in the way they presented in the keynote as is this is the watch that y- you the the tech nerd listening to the show are going to buy for your 
kids, they are clearly pushing this, you know, younger angle, um, or, or grandparents or your own parents. Um, and that's, I mean, that's really smart. I think a lot of Apple watches end up on people in that way. We absolutely have that story as well. I think I've told it before on the podcast, but my mother-in-law took a bad fall about a year and a half ago. And like the next day we went out and got her a series five, um, for the fall detection. Cause we were really lucky. We were uh, we live in the apartment above her and we could, we heard her fall and went and checked oh, wow. and checked on her. Golly. And like, if we hadn't gone to check, it could have been much worse. Like who, who sure. knows how bad it could have been. Um, so now, you know, we want to be able to have that, that alert. Mm-hmm. And now I think it'd be a lot less, you, you know, we, we were so, like we, the blood was pumping in that moment. We're like, okay, we got like whatever it takes. And we just went and got the good one. Like we were willing to spend all the money on it. Yep. But I think for a lot of people, this is, it lowers that resistance level of like, look, I'm going to get, yep the most important features for me to help my loved ones. And it's not as expensive to get into. I was hoping it'd be a little bit less, uh, 279 yeah. us, but, um, you know, it's, it's not that bad for, for reference point. I went into swatch today and, um, I was noticing like <laughs> the, the one that I was looking at was still, uh, it was like $190 for just a swatch watch. So, you know, don't forget like regular watches aren't free either. So. Yeah. Especially once you get out of the, like, you know, Target, you know, the, 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 the department store here in the States, you know, like Target will sell like Timex watches that are, that are really cheap. And some of them are nice. Uh, there's one Timex that everyone has. And I had before my Apple watch. I can't remember the name of it now, but it's a nice it's probably watch. Probably the weekender. Yes. I think that's right. I think that's right. And it's like, I, 20, love, I love that 20 one. I still wear mine. Or something yeah. Like that. yeah, exactly. And it's a great watch and it's only 20 or 40 bucks. But as soon as you get out of the like super entry level into mildly nice, like, I don't, and I don't know anything about watches, but I know enough to know it is way more expensive than I'm willing to spend for anything that's even remotely nice. And so, yeah, you're right. It $270 seems like a lot, but when you start comparing to some of these, you know, multi hundred or even multi thousand or tens of thousands of dollar watches, it's not really that bad after all. Yeah, no, I I, I don't think the prices are, are all that bad. Uh, I think people measure them in terms of tech products, whereas compared to watches, they've never been all that bad. Um, then there's also the family home, uh, family setup, sorry, where you can, you know, it's same thing. It's like through software, you can easily initiate a bunch of different watch accounts for people that you're going to manage yourself, which again, I think is great. I think our story of, of buying one for a loved one is probably not that, uncommon i'm sure apple i'm sure this is why they focus so much on this story like that was clearly everything they were showing in that segment about the se and the family sharing or family setup was that you're gonna buy it for someone else i mean they know that a (laughs) lot of people have been doing this so uh, i think it's great that they're supporting it more internally Uh, yeah i completely agree i was surprised a little surprised that they didn't lean more heavily into older relatives because I I didn't find that offensive personally. I think that's a perfectly reasonable uh, use case for this. And they leaned more heavily into kids, which again, as a dad, I have two small kids, well, way small kids. So like much younger than I think is reasonable for an Apple watch. But nevertheless, I think the the premise of giving it to a kid does make perfect sense. I'm not trying to take away from that, but I'm surprised they didn't lean more into an older relative because you know, I'm lucky enough that most of my grandparents are still alive and they're in their 80s. And so I don't think it would be unreasonable if we lived a little geographically closer for me to do exactly what you did, Tyler, and, and get, you know, my grandmother or grandfather or something like that, or maybe both get them, you know, an Apple Watch each or something like that. And and be have that peace of mind of knowing that they're safe and that if they fall, there's someone to help them or you know, some way to notify me or the authorities or what have you. And, and the, the marketing that was shown was almost exclusively around kids, which again, I'm not trying to take away from it. It makes sense, but 
I, I don't know if I would have made that same choice with regards to the marketing. I got to say, anybody else thinking about this, a, a very good reason for it, a success story uh, in our Apple Watch purchase was that, you know, we, we had bought her an iPhone to move her away from the landline so we could get a hold of her more easily, right? This is a few years ago. So great. Okay. She'll answer it sometimes, but she also forgets it at home. She doesn't charge it. Like, you know, she knows yeah, yeah. how to use it, but she's just kind of, she doesn't care about it that much. Um, but with the watch, she's much more often uh, has it on. It's a, uh, you know, it has a cellular plan. So if she forgets the phone at home and she answers the calls on her watch all the time. And this even actually, I, I'm saying like she forgets her watch at home, uh, phone at home. This happens at home. She'll just leave her phone in the other room. Oh, yeah. and she can't hear it ringing. So now having the watch, she picks up way more often so that's that's also been helpful with it but. yeah it's a win-win and it makes perfect sense for again for adults or kids so uh, i'm i'm interested to hear well i don't know if we will ever hear but i'm really interested to hear like uh, just anecdotally are people buying these for for relatives is this something that's really taking off and if you look at the tea leaves from a year or two back when they started adding like the app store on the apple watch you know so you don't have to go through your phone to install an app like some of these machinations seem to be clear a couple of years ago but i would have assumed that they would just say well you can buy an apple watch and set it up on its own and that's not exactly what they mm-hmm. did you know it's, it's exactly what you had said tyler that you have to take somebody's phone to set up this watch, but you're, but you'll state somewhere in the process that you're setting it up on behalf of somebody else. And that's not exactly standalone, but it's a heck of a lot more standalone than we've had so far. It's, I'm, I'm kind of realizing something as we were, we were summing up the whole event at the start. And as we go through this, I feel like overall, I had a feeling of that, um, even though there, there weren't a lot of things that were really exciting, there wasn't anything that was bad news or especially disappointing either. Like, I wasn't yeah. that frustrated with much of anything, but uh, there, there, I think there is one thing that we're 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 trying to figure out how good of a, a deal it is. So let's let's move on to the uh, Apple One package because I'd been pretty worried about this. Um, overall, uh, I think you've expressed this, and and you know I feel this as well. I think I think everybody that follows Apple feels a little concerned that as they focus more and more on their services as a significant part of Apple profits, um, that can be negative for consumers, right? It's, you know, trying to squeeze a little more money out of people that are already invested in the brand. And that doesn't always, you know, have our best interest in mind and and doesn't always feel good. Um, So overall, I think, you know, both of us are like worried about them. Like if if all the money comes from services, you know, I'd rather just buy my hardware and then I am am done with it. Um, But I did feel like the way that they packaged Apple One was better than I expected, better than some of the rumors (laughs) I heard. I guess that's what I should say. I heard some like, oh, it's going to be this and that that were didn't save you much money at all. Um, But where it ended up, um, I'm going to, I think, at the premier plan. I, actually, shoot, I don't think I have that list of all the, the prices here. I think it was $10, yeah, I have $10 for individual, I have $20 for family and... And then what yeah, do you get so with each of them? Maybe you can go through it. Yeah, so certainly. So I'm I'm looking off to the side here where my where my laptop is. So it's fifteen dollars a month for individual. That includes music, TV, arcade, and I don't recall off the top of my head how much iCloud. I want to say fifty gigs. I think Something that like that. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and then family is an additional five dollars, so a total of twenty US a month for the same four services: music, TV arcade and iCloud. I don't remember off the top of my head how much iCloud storage came with family. I want to say it was like a two or something. Hundred? I thought it was like oh, 200. Oh, no, I think you're right. I no, think no, we're no, still no, in the hundreds. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. And then Premiere, which is 30 US a, mo- a month, that's 
uh, all the aforementioned ones. So it's music, TV, arcade, and iCloud, although iCloud is at two gigs. I'm almost positive of that. And then in addition, you get news, which I don't think anyone really cares about, but you also get the new fitness thing, which in and of itself was an additional $10 a month previous, you know, if you do it standalone. But so I think you said two gigs, deal. but I think it's two, two terabytes though. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry. Did I say two gig? You're absolutely yeah, yeah. correct. I'm sorry. Two terabytes. Um, I, that was a test and you passed. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but, I get it wrong yeah, all the but, time. Yeah, right. So uh, yeah, that includes this new fitness thing, which, um, which we probably should at least touch on here in a moment. But mm. two terabytes of iCloud, like for an entire family. So this is tough, right? Because I am a very amateur photographer. I have, like I said, two small kids that I take way too many pictures of. I have a lot of photos and videos. I have something just shy of a terabyte of photos and videos, and that's just me. And part of the reason I haven't ever embraced iCloud Photo Library is because, uh, well, there's several reasons really, but one of them is because I don't have to pay like 20, 30, 40 bucks a month for you know a couple terabytes of storage in iCloud. And I'm not even sure you could do more than one terabyte until today. You, maybe you could, it doesn't really matter. But that jumps me immediately into the premiere tier if I would like to go with Apple One. And I'm not saying I don't, but I'm a little frustrated that the iCloud storage still seems to be very nickel and dimey, in my opinion. That being said, you were hinting earlier, Tyler, and you're exactly right. I'd heard the same rumors that they were saying you weren't going to get any additional iCloud storage in like the lower tiers. And it wasn't until you go to like the super baller tier that you started getting more iCloud storage. And that's not the case. They are, they're doling it out. They're just doing it in small doses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would like to know what does it cost to get the individual tier and two terabytes? Like, can yeah, you, can you do that? Point. Is there a way to mm-hmm. add the extra storage? And then what is yeah. it? Like, does that come to $20 um, or right, more? Right. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. I, I'm just looking at mine, reminding myself, I, I have two terabytes right now. Um, in between oh, okay. me and Anya, we're using 817 gigs. So less, but ours is, I think you probably store, you sync your home computer to iCloud as well, right? Whereas all of our no. real photography, all of that goes to external drives. Okay, so we're more similar than we are different. So basically, I have a Synology network attached storage that is my my canonical repository of all my photos. And I actually don't really use Apple Photos on my computer at all. I use it to ingest photos so I can get like uh, HEIC or, or whatever it is, HEVC for video, uh, basically those new codecs and, and image formats and video formats. I use it to ingest all those, but then I just file them away in the Synology. I, I'm a developer by trade, and so I wrote a little program that'll file them away in a specially formatted like folder structure and file name structure and so on and so forth. But I don't oh, use... Oh, but they never sync. Uh, they never go up to the cloud. They, they Well, they never sync. Yes, asterisk. So they are, they're backed up in a million different places, but what you the spirit of what you said is correct that they're never synced to like iCloud photo library. There was a window of time that I was syncing to Google photos, but I had a lot of problems with their like computer based uploader. So the, yeah. I'm I not to stop really using actively. It as well. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I haven't tried it in a couple of years, but it was just a mess. And so I stopped uploading all of my big camera pictures to it. So my, the Google photos is still getting my iPhone pictures, which to be honest with the, with the 11 pro is the majority of my pictures these days, but I still get out the big camera. Well, I, it's funny probably to you to hear me call a micro four thirds camera, a big camera, but you know, for me, it's my big camera. Relative so anyways, speaking, yeah. uh, so anyway, so I do, I do break it out from time to time. And in any of those photos, which arguably are some of the most precious because of the ones I took, 
took the time to get the proper camera and set up properly with the right lens and so on and so forth. Those are the ones, they're not synced in the traditional sense anywhere, which again is the spirit of what you're asking and, and you're correct. They're not really synced. So on my to-do list, when I find a free minute in these weird times where I'm both more and less busy than I've ever been, on my to-do list is to like properly rejigger my world such that I can at least put a duplicate of everything in iCloud because I do think that would be worth it and a good idea, but I don't want to lose my one true canonical source of photos, which is this weirdo setup I have in the Synology because it is, you know, it's like uh, what is it? Full metal jacket. Like there are many like it, but this one is mine. You know, this is my weirdo setup that works for me. And I don't, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but it, but it works. And, and I can find photos relatively quickly, even with my ridiculously odd setup. And so this, yeah, this Apple one thing to bring it back, you know, to more general point, this Apple one thing, it is very interesting. I do think it's compelling, especially as someone who does tend to buy a lot of Apple stuff, but I actually don't typically buy a lot of Apple services. Like I have a free uh, Apple TV plus account from when I bought my phone last year I'm 50-50 whether or not I'm going to continue with that. Do you guys, you you probably also have the free plan. Do you do you reckon you're going to continue with Apple TV Plus? Or you, well, I guess if you yeah, go Apple One, then it. you would get it. Okay. Yeah, I so, have a feeling we'll go Apple One. I have, to, I have to figure out exactly how much we're paying each month because I'm for, I'm confusing the U.S. and Canadian prices. So I don't, yeah. we, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have the two terabytes and we mm-hmm. have Apple Music. Mm, and I, st- I stopped paying for Apple Arcade and we're not paying for Apple TV yet. So currently we're just paying for the two. Uh, okay. And I'm guessing that's 20 a month. I have to go yep, back and yep. check. Uh, but, you know, then going to 30 a month to have everything. That, it's not a big that does feel kind of, com- yeah, it feels compelling where we are. And then we'd be getting stuff that I wouldn't otherwise get. Like, uh, you know, Apple News Plus, I, I haven't heard great things about it. Um, I didn't really even <laughs> use the trial. But yeah, I, I do re- I do end up clicking on things that yep. I would otherwise yep, yep, yep. be that I want to read and I don't get to read them. I'm like, oh well, I guess I'm not yep. reading that article. And now <laughs> I could read that article. Like you yeah, know, exactly. So I wouldn't have got it before, but now you know, it's if it becomes a no brainer, that's pretty good. And especially, I think this is going to be huge for Apple Arcade because I had the same experience with it that I was like this, except more positive. Um, that I really liked it when I use the trial. I was like, you know, the, I love the types of games that were encouraged by this. I love that Apple, in, you know, let these developers have a lot of freedom in terms of creativity, but um, I don't play enough games to need to, you know, I, I enjoyed the few that I liked on it and I sort of finished them and then I didn't feel like I need to renew it. Um, and I just stopped thinking about it. But if it's just there, I'll probably start using it a lot more. I'll get used to it and I'll fall in love with a few games that are on it. So uh, I think there'll be a lot of people in that boat and that'll be good news for developers there because it'll become a much healthier marketplace and, and development environment if they know there's a, a bigger audience out there using Apple Arcade. You know, and as I'm listening to you talk about it, you're kind of accidentally selling me on it because I was thinking, you know, I'm a devout Spotify person, but I wouldn't, if I was getting Apple Music for free, I wouldn't complain. I mean, it's not literally for free, but you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't complain. That would be kind of nice. Um, I've, I'm kind of on the fence about Apple TV Plus because we did really enjoy the morning show. We really liked, um, 
shoot uh, for all mankind uh in the, the, in Are you watching heard, Ted Lasso? It, no i've understood that i need to but we're in the midst of two other shows that uh, we're watching actually i want to talk to you uh we're watching a canadian uh, tv show called letter kenny and i want to talk uh, to you about that later but um but anyways i've heard that ted lasso needs to be on our watch list and so i'm like right on the edge about apple tv plus i've been on the edge of icloud for a while and i wouldn't say i'm on the edge about apple music but i wouldn't complain if it was dropped in front of me and similarly like I would certainly try some Apple Arcade games if I could. I just, I haven't ever bothered because I didn't want to spend the money and I didn't want to get used to it. You know, I didn't even try the trial because I was scared, you know, I was going to start spending money on stuff that I would never play. But when it's all quote unquote free, then why wouldn't I? And so, yeah, for someone like me who has been on the, on the verge or on the edge of buying all this stuff, but didn't ever really feel like individually it was worth it. You're listening to all the things you're going to get from it. I'm kind of wondering, I'm thinking to myself, well, shoot, maybe I would like all that stuff. You know, maybe that ain't so bad. So I don't know. You might've just convinced me that maybe it isn't such a terrible idea after all. Well, and I had been using the, I'm just trying to remember the name, the Nike training uh, workout app, mm. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I wasn't using it. I never use it enough that I would pay a subscription every month for it. That seems crazy. Sure. But if I'm suddenly getting Apple Fitness for for free, I can't say for free. Yeah, a bundle I know, in, I know, exactly. Uh, yep, then, yep. you know, uh, that's the one I'll start using because it'll yeah. be you know, a little bit more robust and I won't feel like I still need to upgrade to something. I'll have all of the features. It has all this integration directly with the watch. I'm sure Nike is really annoyed that this is happening at all, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it means that I'm going to start using it. Whereas I probably wouldn't otherwise, uh, which I yep. let's, I let's talk about the fitness thing for a second. Yes, please. Still the, the weirdest, the weirdest one to me for Apple to get into, you know, I know they're doing original <laughs> programming, so that's, it's not, it's not that weird. It's just, uh, you know, if you told me five years ago that Apple would be doing this, it would seem insane. But here we are, See, 2020, I don't know. Is they're that, doing it, fitness videos. <laughs> is that true, though? Is it crazy? Because I think, like, on the one side, yes, I agree with you. But on the other side, if you think about Apple a few years ago, like right when the watch was really starting to be understood both internally to Apple and externally as a fitness-oriented device, I think I would have argued that it's much, it makes much more sense to Apple for Apple to bite off the little bit of video production that is exercise related and fitness related stuff more than it is to go out and like make movies and TV shows. Like why would they get into <laughs> okay, that? Yeah, That's that does Apple. seem more crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, it depends yeah, on yeah. when you're talking like the Apple today. Yeah. You're probably right. right that it does seem a little odd for them to be doing fitness videos, but the Apple five years ago, I think it actually made more sense then, but either way. So, um, Aaron, my wife, has been doing uh, various um, exercise like videos. It sounds very '80s when I say it that way, but um, but she uh, she pays a subscription to a company called Beachbody, which is like half like super really good exercise and fitness videos and half total pyramid scheme. And so, thankfully, she's like not gotten involved in the pyramid scheme part. She's just consuming the videos, nothing else. Um, and I've actually done a, a handful of those workouts as well, and they're really really good. Like the, the there's some of the, some of the trainers I like more than others, but the premise of it, I think are really good. And, and I don't think you can tell, you know, just through looking through this video, but, and certainly not if you can only hear my voice, but I've, I've gotten more fit and I have more muscle in places that I never had it before. Um, as a result of doing some of these like fitness videos and exercise videos through Beachbody. And those, those are good. 
And that's about $100 a year, I think, to, for her to have a subscription to basically the Beachbody Netflix, if you will. Well, this Apple Fitness thing, was it, is it Fitness Plus or is it just Apple Fitness? What was the official name? Yeah, there's a plus in there for sure. Okay. Yeah, right. So Apple Fitness Plus. Somewhere. That's $80 a year. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in there. Apple Plus Fitness Plus Plus. Uh, it's $80 <laughs> a year. And the thing that, I, and this is very nerdy of me, I'll be the first to tell you, but the thing that I thought was most interesting about it was that on the screen as you're working out, you'll see in the corner, like your actual live rings and your actual live, like calorie burned account and whatnot. And, and I just thought that was the coolest thing. And they said that, you know, as you're watching the videos, if the trainer calls out, like, look at your heart rate or whatever, they'll show you your heart rate and literally make it bigger. So it's easier to see automatically, like as you're watching this video, which is kind of dumb, but how cool is that? Like that is the coolest thing that this is all happening automatically, but and you don't get that from Beachbody. Those dumb things totally work. I mean, right. uh, it makes me think of you know. I think this is why Peloton's been so successful. Yeah, not that yeah. I have ever used one, but it's like there's a toy that goes with the the, the fitness plan, right? Like people, <laughs> yeah. uh, they say they're doing it because they want to get fit, but like then in the end, they just want to play with the toy that they spend a lot of money on. And in yep, this yep, yep. case, the Apple Watch functions as that little like yep. the thing that like hooks you in and makes you want to you know so um yeah i i i think it's gonna work um i i would be surprised if they canceled it right away like people might remember those music lessons that were built into garage band a while ago uh, um, yeah somebody else just brought that up recently i don't remember who it was but yeah, yeah i'd forgotten about that I, I, I liked them. I actually, th- I thought that was a good idea. I, I, you know, I don't know why it didn't work out if nobody bought them or what, but, um, I think this will probably go further because Apple has been so committed to fitness for a long time now. And, and they've been producing so much more content. I'm sure there's a bit more of a streamlined workflow that they're able to just keep creating this stuff much more easily than back in the day when you know those were the only videos that Apple was doing other than commercials. So Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I'm really interested to to try it and and see how it goes. And I think you get three months for free if you buy a new Apple Watch, if I'm not mistaken. And so even if you're not doing, you know, the premier level Apple One account, you could at least one could at least try it for a little bit. And I, again, like it's the it's such a silly thing to be excited about seeing something that you can literally just look down and see right away. But I don't know. I just it, like you said, it's the little stuff like that that I just think is so cool, and I think it it's very exciting. And like even dumb stuff like uh, one of the workout programs that I really enjoy through Beachbody, the way the trainer does it is you'll do like a whole bunch of lifting and then you'll do some core exercises. And it's the same way every time. And I just recently discovered because I guess I'm an idiot. I don't know, but I just recently discovered somebody told me that you can start a new workout while you're in the midst of one. So you don't have to like end your current workout and then go and select a new one and so on and so forth. You can just swipe to the left and then do plus and start a new workout and it'll just continue kind of where you left off. And and I bring all this up because a lot of times I want to like register the core portion of the workout as a core workout, as opposed to a weightlifting workout. I don't know, I guess, cause I'm just a data nerd or whatever. And it's dumb. I'll be the first to tell you it's dumb, but like, that's kind of annoying having to go into your watch and do that while you're in the midst of like panting and heaving and whatnot. And I would assume that in this fitness thing that they would just do that automatically. They can start the workout automatically. Why don't they start the, the, you know, secondary workout automatically or whatever. And it's just dumb stuff like that. It's, this is where Apple I think is at its best when it does control the entire widget from top to bottom and it can integrate it in ways that most other companies can't like, I'm sure Beachbody and I'm picking on them just cause that's the one I'm familiar with. I'm sure Beachbody would love to do this sort of thing, but I don't, 
I mean, as a developer who has dabbled with Apple Watch related stuff, it is there's not really a terribly easy way to get live updates. As far as I knew, to get live updates as to what your calorie count is and where your rings are. Like you can definitely get that information, but to get it like fed to your app constantly live is not something that I think a third party could do. And so watching all of these pieces come together and come together so fluidly is super cool. And that's that's when I love Apple the most. When I dislike Apple the most is when they're trying to pump me for more money every single month because services, services, services. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, I think, um, you know, anybody that's bought an Apple Watch primarily for fitness stuff, we're all looking for any excuse to, to use it more often because th- there's always that feeling of like, okay, great, I've been tracking everything I've been doing. Now what do I do with it? Uh, and often right. I just forget to ever look at it again. You know, I look at it three yep. months later. I'm like, oh, I yeah, was yeah. doing great in, you know, May. <laughs> Whoops. Um, right. But yeah. Uh, let's move on to iPads um, and maybe skip right to the iPad Air almost because I, I feel I don't want to get like bogged down in the less exciting, which is strange. I don't really know why the regular iPad uh, wasn't effectively the Maybe I'm not thinking about this in the right way, but for some reason, normal iPads skipped the the big updates of the iPad Air, I guess because the price actually. That's why, because you can get the regular uh, eighth generation iPad for $329. Whereas the exciting new iPad Air starts at five ninety nine, so that's a very significant difference. That that's okay. There you go. That's why the iPad Air got all the new shiny, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of new shiny. They really went it for is. it with this thing. Yeah, it's it's almost like an iPad iPad Pro Lite. I mean, now we're getting into real crummy names, but <laughs> it has it. It is almost indistinguishable from an iPad Pro at a glance, and I haven't taken the time or had the time really to dive into like, what are the specific differences between the two? But off the top of my head, obviously the iPad pro has face ID, whereas the, uh, the iPad air has touch ID, although that is very interesting, possibly the most interesting thing of the day. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, it, I think the iPad pro is always bigger, right? Because there's the 11 inch iPad pro. And I think the iPad air is just a, just a shade smaller. And then obviously the 13 inch iPad pro, um, but the iPad Pro also has the 120 hertz refresh rate on the screen. Uh, the new iPad Pros have the LiDAR sensor, and I believe they have the two camera system. Is that right? They have they have a uh, do they have a regular telephoto or is it wide telephoto? I forget what it I is. I have one across the room, and I'm like I'm like forgetting because I never take photos yeah, of my iPad. Yeah, it's, well, yes, it definitely I. has LiDAR. Yeah, exactly. So, so I've LiDAR. used the LiDAR more than the camera, honestly, because like the LiDAR oh, yeah? thing is just such a fun party trick. Well, right. well use that's fair. Yeah, yeah. in terms of like, I walk around my house doing the scanning apps and I'm like, ooh, right. I, I can make 3D <laughs> meshes, but I have no, right. there's right. no purpose behind any of that. I just really enjoy that feeling of making a 3D mesh, but I, yeah, I, 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 would, think I would do it all the time if it. I could. I yeah. would do it all the time if I could. Uh, but the iPad Air gets the new Apple Pencil, gets the fancy like you know um, uh, magnetic attaching Apple Pencil. You don't have to spear the iPad with you know the tip of the out or the back of the Apple Pencil to charge it. Um, it it does get the like edge to edge screen. It can use the Magic Keyboard, you know the floaty cantilevered Magic Keyboard. So so much of it is so good. Um, I I I am bummed about the lack of Face ID, although I totally understand it. However, this lock button or whatever they call it top button uh touch id is very interesting to me and the reason it's very interesting to me as someone who really loves face id is hey every time i leave the house now i'm wearing a mask and you know what doesn't work that well with face id when you have your mask on so 
I am very interested and very curious to see if this new lock button with a touch ID sensor ends up shipping on the iPhone 11, or iPhone 12 Pro or whatever this year's phones are, because I think that would be awesome. Yeah, that's a lot of the most interesting stuff about the iPad Air is that it's it's all the signals of what we're probably going to see. Like it's yep. it's weird. It's almost like a series of leaks of iPhone 12 features. <laughs> it's a good uh, way of looking at it. Yeah. I've, I've heard people mention, uh, and I didn't really validate if this is going to be true, but this should be effectively the same processor as in the 12. Yep. I mean, nobody knows uh, like for exactly sure. Exactly the yes. same or similar? I, I mean, we'll similar. find out, I guess. Yeah, you know, I should know this yeah. off the top of my head, but my, my recollection is that the iPad typically gets a, a, a tweaked version of the iPhone chip. So this is what, the A14, I think that's right? Um, A14X, perhaps, and presumably the iPhone, the next iPhone, will get an A14, just plain old A14. And obviously, we don't know if that's true. We don't know what the differences are if it is true, but it certainly stands to reason exactly what you said, that this is quite likely the processor in the next iPhone. And supposedly, it's pretty fast. Go figure. Yeah. And I mean, they did move to five nanometer, which that much will certainly carry over, I'm sure, yep. um, which mm-hmm. I hear is a big deal. Again, I'm not the yep. processor uh, <laughs> expert here, so don't ask me. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, it means you can fit a lot more in a much smaller space. So yep. I, I, I know it will be significant. Um, uh, obviously, also like reemphasizing the internal GPU, which is a big question in where all of Apple Silicon is going to go in the future. What's this mm-hmm. going to look like on computers? Are, are we going to start leaning more heavily on these integrated GPUs? Uh, mm-hmm. And the there's it says new four core GPU architecture, sixteen core neural engine, six core CPU. Um, so I mean, this makes me want to go pick one up somehow, like get my hands on yeah. one just. Yep to know what the iPad or the iPhone 12 is going to look like. Um, cause it all sounds like pretty great. And, um, it's also got that, uh, design refresh that we're imagining. Everything is probably going to have some mm-hmm. amount of this new hard edges, uh, you know, inheriting a bit of yep. the look from both the iPad pro and also the, the Mac pro. Um, yep. so I, I mean, I don't know. This is a pretty sweet iPad update that I it loved is, the, very sweet the, the last pro as well. Yeah, they've been doing pretty well. So uh, this is just another step in the right direction. Yeah, so I have the original of the Face ID iPad Pros. So the one from 2018, I believe, you know, late 2018. And this thing is still really good. I mean, I don't have LiDAR, but... Other than that, like I can use and I have purchased a, a magic keyboard and or whatever they, it's magic, not smart, right? Whatever the what the cantilever one, the fancy one. I have one of those. Right. Um, I right. have an Apple pencil. Um, you know, and 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 I don't. I wouldn't say I real. I long for anything in my existing iPad Pro. That being said, if I was coming from basically any other iPad under the sun, what a compelling upgrade. And if you're not bent on the, the LIDAR, if you're not bent on the high refresh rate, and if you're not bent on face ID, why would you bother with the iPad pro? Like this is such a great upgrade and and considerably cheaper. And furthermore, it has all those sweet colors like that sky blue one. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. that's looking darn good totally, if you're a yeah. green i really fan. like that they reached it we skipped that actually on the watches though that there are now colors for you that's know, true all yeah that blue and the blue on the watch looks really look good nice. as well I, I want the mm-hmm. i want the gold there hasn't been a gold that i liked as much since the like this it looks pretty similar to let me like pull up a photo to make sure i'm right i think the new gold apple watch looks very similar to the real gold one which mm-hmm. is like shiny and, and pretty yeah, yeah, cool yeah. yeah um so i don't know i all, all across the line there's like this is 
of course, what they should be doing. It's almost surprising that it took this long for them to have this many options, um, sure. but it's great, and uh, I'm I'm totally into it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think aesthetically, these look great. I think that they have all of the major features that I would want out of an iPad. Like, it would bum me out to lose Face ID, but for me personally. I don't really think I need the 120 hertz refresh rate. I would want to be able to use an Apple Pencil with it. Even though I don't use it that terribly often, I love it when I do use it. Um, I mean, having the Touch ID instead of Face ID would be fine. It wouldn't be my favorite, but it would be fine. Being able to use keyboards is great. USB-C is great. Gosh, I am. I know it's never going to happen, but I am ready for it on the phone. I don't know about you, but I am ready for oh, a USB-C yeah. iPhone. 100%. <laughs> um, we'll yeah. see if they just take lightning away rather than add USB-C, because there's been rumblings of that, that they would just go port-free, which I doubt, but yeah. I wouldn't put it past them either. Um, yeah, so anyway, I hope so, not, but... Yeah, we'll see what happens. But one way or another... I. I it, it would be a hard thing for me as a iOS developer. It would be a hard thing for me to convince myself to get an iPad pro. And that's kind of a great thing because that means this iPad air is so darn good. And yeah, if you're coming from any sort of iPad other than an iPad pro, I would at least take a close, close, close look at these because you have you have the option of colors and you have the option of saving a whole pile of money for just a couple of features that may or may not be that important to you. The, I cannot say enough good things about these iPad Airs. They look great. Can I ask you another question as an uh, iOS developer? How do you feel about iOS 14 coming out t- tomorrow as we record <sighs> this? Probably today as this video. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's already yeah. out as people are watching this. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, as a developer, I'm grumpy about it. As a user, I'm excited. But as a developer, I'm yeah. grumpy. Um, Were you using the beta? Is, I am using it on my iPhone 10, so I'm not using it on my carry phone. I have occasionally used... I've occasionally gone onto the betas like late in the beta cycle, but this time, even though I'm excited about several of the iOS 14 features... There was nothing that I felt like I couldn't live without until the fall. And I know we're not really in fall yet, but we're close enough. Oh, man. Um, I dove in so with both I will, feet. I just put it on my full-time phone. Like, Oh, that's one. so bold. It's so bold. Yeah. I've done that in the past. And, and the problem is... Last year, I've it would have been it. the wrong move. but uh, Yeah, like last year was a bad plan. I didn't do it then. The last time, and I think the, the time that really cured me, I want to say it was iOS 5... Or maybe it was seven. Seven was the big re- visual refresh, but five in particular, I think it was when we got notification center and I wanted that so badly. And I put it on my carry phone, I think while I was at WWDC, which was, you know, the big uh, summertime Apple conference. And I regretted it so deeply because it was such a janky pile of garbage. And I swore to myself, I would at least wait for late betas from then forward, which is what I've done. Um, at this point, I mean, I almost put the GM on my phone earlier today, but I just didn't have the time. I am excited for iOS 14 as a user. I think it brings some really great features. I'm really excited for widgets. I'm excited for picture in picture. I'm excited. For, there's a bunch of other things I can't even think of right now that I'm excited for. Um, as a developer, it's, it, it chaps my bottom a bit because I have an iOS 14 build of my little app, which is called peak of view. Um, I have an iOS 14 build ready to go, but I haven't pushed it through app review yet. Um, and I couldn't until earlier today. And today I was busy. Like I just had things going on today. And so tomorrow morning I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try to get this through app review, but it's frustrating that we only yeah, have. What are you doing talking hours. to me? You should be. Uh, you should be yeah, right. programming right now. <laughs> well, the, the good news is, is that you know, I it, it, that's not my bread and butter. You know, it's okay for me to wait mm-hmm. a little bit. And I think it was uh, underscore David Smith, a dear friend of mine, also an iOS developer, much more prolific and more successful one than I, had said 
I think it was him that had said, Hey, listen, you know, on the plus side, probably nobody's going to be ready on day one or not many people are going to be ready on day one. So it's going to make it more reasonable for developers to say, well, I'll have it soon. Whereas in years past, we really didn't have a lot of excuses not to be ready on day one. And now at least we can say, whoa, 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 whoa. This got dropped on my lap all of a sudden, especially if you're a European, you know, it it dropped on our laps at like two o'clock this afternoon, New York time. If you're over in the UK, what is that? Like eight o'clock at night or something like that? Like that is not a lot of reaction time that you're allowed in order to put your build through the app review. And not to mention app review is going to be slammed by all these people saying, holy cow, I got to get my stuff in like immediately. So I think the plus side is we'll, we'll see it trickle in a little more than we may, may have in the past. For me, it's tough because iOS 14 adds some very good and, and very wise and very needed changes with regard to your photo library. And Peak of View, my app, basically is uh, is a read-only photo gallery. And I, I wrote it because my two-year-old really likes looking at pictures on our, on our phones, but I was petrified that she would somehow accidentally figure out how to delete stuff and then they would be gone. And so I wrote peak of view to be a read only photo gallery. And if you run peak of view on an iOS 14 device, even though it hasn't been updated to iOS 14, it'll use some of these new protections that iOS 14 builds in where you can select only certain photos to use with peak of view or any other, you know, photo access app. Um, and you can, and you can, and it will ask you that peer, like every time you launch, which as a user is very frustrating. And on iOS 14, they give the developers affordances to say, I understand that, you know, I might be getting a limited set of photos. I, you don't have to prompt the user every time, et cetera, et cetera. And again, I've done the work, but I haven't tested it as extensively as I would like. And it certainly hasn't been through app review yet. So it's not like an earth shattering thing that I'm not ready on day one. It's, it's just frustrating because had I had a week of leeway or a week notice, which is about what they use usually give, I would have made darn sure it was there ready to go on day one. And now I'm just, it's, it's not going to be there day one. It might be there day two or day three, but not day one. And that kind of looks bad on me because it looks like I'm lazy and well, maybe that's accurate, but nevertheless, you know, it, 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 it <laughs> you doesn't want anybody to know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want anyone to know yeah, how yeah. lazy I was. I don't want to be caught being lazy. I just, that, I wanted to look like I was smart. Right. So the, I don't fo- know. It's the a photo access thing. That's actually been the most frustrating, uh, change yeah. for it, me um mm-hmm. because i the the way that the question is phrased when it appears on screen is just ambiguous enough that uh, <laughs> the, the 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 option that's going to lock you out of photos which is never what i want if i've installed yeah. an app i want to access my photos on it like the, 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 maybe that's just me but like that's the reason i'm using the app and then if i say select photos now, every time I reuse that app, I only can see whichever photos I selected that time. And I never just have my library show up and you have to go into settings, find the app, change the photo preferences. And for a typical user, like that's not a good experience at all. And being able to add photos to an app is such a fundamental feature of what an iPhone is. So I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of frustrated users and I have a feeling that flow will need to change, even if it's just the verbiage on that alert. So it's really clear, like this one means you will be heavily restricted in how this app is able to use photos you've taken. This button means it'll work the way you expect. Um, so anyway, yeah, I've clicked <laughs> yeah. the wrong one a couple of times and then I'm like stuck with it until I remember to go into settings and change it, which well, I, I that's don't like that. mostly, that's mostly true. The thing you're running into is that you're probably running against a bunch of apps that haven't been updated for iOS 14 yet. Right, so right. there yeah, is an affordance okay. as a developer that I can say in my app, if you go within my app and go to settings, I can leave you a place where you can change the photos you've selected. But 
if I haven't updated my app yet, the behavior is exactly what you said. You need to go into settings and then privacy and then like photos and then drill into the particular app you're talking about. And there's another place in there where you can make these changes. But but uh, if you're running iOS 14 against apps that haven't been properly updated for it yet, and this is going to be peak of you as well, my app, you know, it's going to run into the same problem for at least the first day or two. Um, you're going to have that very frustrating dance. And, and I agree that the verbiage on that alert that's shown when you start up is not extraordinarily user-friendly. And beyond that, you're going to see that alert every single time you start that app, if I'm not mistaken, because they're giving you the chance to change that. And And I understand why they did it that way, especially for apps that haven't been updated yet, but it's just not a great user experience. And this is a relatively unusual thing, at least for me as a developer. It's not been that often that Apple will take something that's already in the app store and make it demonstrably worse for users. They might change the way it works a little bit, but this is this to me is demonstrably worse. Again, I understand why. I'm not necessarily complaining because I think for privacy purposes, yeah, it makes plenty of sense. It's, it's the but execution. It's the execution that's a little bit tough. And I think it would have been nice. Again, I don't fault them for not going this way, but it would have been nice if they had just left the iOS 13 behavior where it's basically all or none for those apps that had not been updated to to work with iOS 14. And then once you start working with iOS 14, then yeah, let's, okay, let's be more uh, explicit about what privacy settings we have and so on and so forth. Not a big deal for me, but it's, it's frustrating nevertheless. So then the other only downsides I've really had with iOS 14. Mostly it's been a great experience. It's been very stable. It became became a little less stable in the later updates. So I'm not sure if that's going to follow through <laughs> into the, the Gold Master and stuff. Yeah. But right. still not that bad. It's still not like like the worst of previous years. It's only mixed. It's not it's not terrible. But um, uh, generally good. Uh, the, yeah, right. Downside is, so widgets is one of the most exciting features. That's a lot of why I wanted to dive right in is I'm a big fan of one or two home screens and all of the extra folders you've got are just junk. So, um, and also having the apps that I use all the time being at the bottom of the screen, I've always used a, basically a, a wallpaper hack where you insert empty icons into the top of the screen to push my apps down to the bottom because it just makes so much more sense that it is near your thumb. Widgets Absolutely. let you do that basically. So you can just have a big chunky a thing point. at the top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But all the widgets that were out so far weren't that useful. It was all first party. It was all Apple stuff. Um, and none of yep. them were what I really needed. So I'd been using the Maps <laughs> right. one. That's what's been on my home screen. And oh, interesting. it seems okay. like, yeah, almost every time I tap on it, and sometimes it doesn't, this is what's kind of, I'm not sure what it's doing. Almost every time, as soon as I tap on it, it'll give me directions home. It won't just show me a map and where I'm located or show me the last map that, well, it is cool, but it's frustrating if you're not trying to do that. Like if, you're, if you are just like, if you were looking at a, at a restaurant or whatever, you're looking at something five minutes ago in another country. And now all of a sudden you open it again. It's like, Oh, now you're back home and you need to move it. <laughs> it was just sort of, yes. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but um, I, I think that all that stuff is what's most likely to change. So I sort of couldn't evaluate it best. And I think the best widgets are going to come from third-party developers anyway. So I don't know. I, it's not what we're talking about now. I guess we'll see what, we'll see what comes out tomorrow or today. And then um, yeah, apps library. That was the other big exciting piece for me is just a uh, you know an apple certified way of hiding all your apps the, the junk drawer that is organized for me because yep, you know i never yep, did yep. a good enough job but that's how i treated it i just had a bunch of folders that you know there's like i think i had maybe nine folders that would cover all of the categories of my apps 
And I would kind of like let new apps build up on a third screen or fourth if I was too lazy about it. And like, you know, I don't know what this is. I don't know if I'm going to keep it. Then gradually I'd add them into folders, try to categorize them, just not make it too messy. Now I only, this whole time since 14 has been on my phone, I've kept it to one screen of of an app grid, which half of, actually, let me like look at it. Um, <laughs> right, so the, the, the top two bars are the maps and then I have four uh, four columns and four rows of apps and no secondary screens. Everything else is inside the app library, so I have to search for it to open it. And it's been working very well. I, I don't find myself browsing the folders inside of app library because since I didn't make those full, I, you know, before I had created my own, uh, you know, architecture day, uh, storage system where I'm like, okay, I know that I put all my social media stuff in the social folder. I don't know sure, how the sure, app sure. library did it. So I don't have it memorized. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just never really dig through there. Instead, I usually search now almost always. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Overall, have- it's definitely a win cause I don't have to do the work, but yeah, that makes sense. I have, I think, four pages of apps on my phone. And basically, the first page is like heavily curated. Second and third pages, coincidentally, are kind of a little bit of a mess. And I don't know why I haven't ever moved to come to think of it as I'm explaining it out loud. But the fourth page is not heavily curated, but it has a lot of the stuff that I feel like doesn't have a good place, but I may actually use it kind of often. So I think as part of my iOS 14 transition, I'm probably going to rejigger and I'd love to go down to like one, maybe two pages that I curate by hand and then the rest, just whatever. Uh, the only problem with that is I don't typically search for apps because I, I do know where most of them are. Um, and I'm not saying that that's a problem or a bad thing if you or anyone else does, but I think it would be it would behoove me to get used to searching for apps rather than you know swiping and hunting and pecking for it. Uh, but I, but it's not a familiar thing for me. Like I, I conceptually understand how to do it. I've done it before, but it's not it's not like muscle memory. You know what I mean? And and so because of that, I'm a little curious to see how well I adapt to this new world where I have to search or, or it may, it's faster to search for so many of the things that I might use from day to day. Did we leave out any big important announcements? What else, what else happened today? Uh, they took the, uh, USB charging brick away from the oh, Apple yeah. watch, which I, I, <laughs> on the one side, I feel like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's probably greener not to include it. And certainly I have a million charging bricks. I got to imagine a lot of people have a million charging bricks. Like we, do we really need yeah, we, we should, them yeah. to come with every new device? On the other hand, you're just putting more money in your wallets and blaming it on the environment. And that's a little bit of a grook. So it's like a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Uh, I think I support it overall, but it would have been nice if they like chopped the prices by five bucks, which of course they would never do, but like it would have been a neat gesture. Um, Or I wish it was optional. What I I would love to see is that when you buy the watch or, uh, you know, maybe this will happen with the phone because it's more expensive, but like that they just say like, would you like a charger? And a lot of people are going to say no. And a lot less chargers will go out the door. Um, Or it's like a a dollar. Or, or some just nominal <laughs> fee, some some resistance, yeah, yeah. so that people that don't need it have a chance not to take it. Because I wouldn't, yep. I definitely wouldn't. Um, yep, same. But then when they, you know, yeah, if you got to pay an extra like fifteen dollars at the end of the day just to, to have the charger, then it feels like okay, who are you do, really doing this for? So, yeah, it's overall, I think it's the right idea. I think I, agree. I all the products I have, I have too many products with too many chargers. As we move into a USB C world where you know, cause I'm also starting to get the feeling that it's like, it's not just my gadgets that are USB-C now. It's like, 
um, uh, I've got a, I'm getting a new desk lamp and it has USB-C power going into it. Like, you know, it's the charger. And then, um, what am I, there's some other devices. I mean, you know, the switch, like, um, there's just a lot of devices that typically you wouldn't put in the same category, but now being able to move them around, I'm like, yeah, this is the way it should be. And soon, you know, I hope USB-C will start to be a bit of a power outlet in the same way that, uh, USB-A has yep. traditionally been so that'd be nice. yeah i i agree i'm still living that like dual lifestyle where i'm a little bit old usb a little bit usb c and no, me too. it's <laughs> fine but it's not what i want and you know like i it's don't use good. my gopro <laughs> that often but I, my gopro's usb c my switch is usb c my laptop's usb c my ipad's usb c yeah. like all, honestly i should be going to a full usb c lifestyle but because of my phone and my watch and i know i could get new cables like i totally understand i could make this happen but it's because of my phone and my watch. I feel like I, I, I haven't mentally like made the switch to all USB-C and I would, I would love for the phone to go USB-C, even though I know it's bigger and I know it's in some ways a little clunkier, but no, just I'd, for consistency's sake, I would yeah. do it. Uh, well, I guess that leaves us a few minutes to catch up. <laughs> yes. So how are things what's, for what's, someone what's who is jet setting all the time, all the time, and then the world ends? Are you okay? Like, how's things yeah, it was, going? It was very, it was very, it's been a weird year for all of I us. I can imagine. Uh, obviously, I'm not alone at all in, in the weirdness. Yep. Um, you know, I'm sure like, it's also this, this thing where we're, I've talked about this before, but we're always having somewhat of a shared experience like this. Yeah. 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 The, the, the weirdness is real, no matter who you are, or where you are, but yep. the way that it manifests is going to be such an individual experience and, you know, part of that will depend on which country you're in, but it's even, it's so much more local than it's ever been that it depends on the cities that you're in right now. Um, and uh, also just, you know, the the coincidence of what your job was going into this, uh, you know, early <laughs> on, I heard somebody mention an example of a, a couple that uh, were both screenwriters and one of them uh, wrote for animated shows and the other wrote for live action. And, you know, guess who's not been able to work for a while, right? So, and it's just such, it's a complete fluke and coincidence and not about people's choices. And so that kind of thing is happening all over the place. So I don't know, maybe that's just me saying the same thing as every time I bring up uh, 2020, but um, right, right. yeah, I don't know. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it's been interesting. And then the, the travel bit, um, you know, it was Good in some ways. There are some things we were able to focus on and catch up on. And, and uh, I think hopefully from what I've seen, a lot of people have also picked up some positive hobbies. Uh, and I think we did. Um, you know, we were biking a lot more. We oh, started good. playing good, tennis. Good. Um, and just, you know, things that like keep our brains alive and, and keep us mm -hmm. moving. And I, I hope there's other people that have done that. I know rollerblades were selling out everywhere, which is a, oh, is a, that's good, funny. a good sign, <laughs> stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we definitely kept ourselves busy. And then we did go on a trip just now. So we, I mean, I was traveled about to ask. in the middle yeah. of the madness. Yeah. And um, so how is getting on a plane now? Because I got to imagine that would be a little bit scary, a little bit nerve wracking, and also unbelievably refreshing at the same time. Well, getting getting on is not refreshing, but getting yeah, fair, off is. Fair. Uh, yeah. yeah I get, I uh, and I, I think, I think it would really depend where you are. So again, this is about that individual experience. So leaving Calgary, um, you know, we have a big international airport and the international terminal is new, like two years old and it's huge and, and beautiful. And it was surreal. It's funny because the last two episodes 
I recorded on this trip and I just didn't even talk about it because I got distracted. Uh, so we, <laughs> when we're getting on the flight, the, the terminal has been closed most of the time right now. And there's only uh, two or three, I think every second day there's a flight leaving uh, internationally. And like, so when we got on, the flight was about half full and I heard the, um, all the restaurants are closed and all the stores are closed because there only was one flight per day that week. So they would open the whole terminal for two or three hours to let this one flight out. So while we were there, it was empty, like completely empty, which was also a very nice experience. Like just really not around anybody. Um, and there was one restaurant that was open cause they have another location in the domestic terminal. So they would bring over some staff. So, and, uh, they were saying the day before there was only 50 people on the flight. And this is to, this is to Amsterdam. Like this is a, this is a big plane. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then it was, it was half full for us. So again, then the, the plane experience was also good cause everybody was, far away That's from good us. Point. Like we really, mm-hmm. we could have moved seats. Like the, there was tons of space everywhere. Um, and we did the, like the N95 masks and the face guards. Um, oh, that's smart. and mm-hmm. so I don't know, it, it's very uncomfortable. Like it's, it really st- it feels awful sitting there so long. And then you sanitizing your hands a hundred times and you don't really want to walk around as much. So your legs get a bit more cramped. So it's, a much less pleasant flight experience, but, um, I didn't feel uncomfortable. Uh, oh, I felt physically uncomfortable, but right. <laughs> I didn't feel unsafe. Um, the, sure. the staff are, are very aware of it. Um, and then, and then, it, you know, it's again, so much of it like depends on where you are because even the, the feeling here, um, compared to what I'm sure it would feel like if I was in a lot of different areas in the States, like it just different areas feel lower risk. So we spent a lot of time in Amsterdam as well. Same thing that the cases were really down for a very extended period of time. Um, a lot of the, uh, it, it, all the focus in Netherlands anyway, the focus is on social distancing. There isn't indoor mandatory masks in a lot of places, um, which yeah, which so we were still wearing them anytime there was like other people. Anytime there's like people in your bubble, we would wear them inside yeah. anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, what, what it made me realize, I've been going for a long time. What it made me realize is that like usually uh, the world is all like moving and, and interacting with each other because people are traveling and they're picking up ideas from other countries and bringing them back home. And right now, the the leaders that are making decisions about this aren't experiencing what anybody else is doing. So even talking to people in the other countries, their only experience of the pandemic is what has happened in their city or, or state. Um, and so every anything else that's happening anywhere else is really weird. So I don't know. Uh, that, that's a very interesting <laughs> way of putting time. it. No, no, no. It makes perfect sense, though. It's a very interesting way of putting it. Did you, as, as someone who, whether or not you enjoyed it, you certainly traveled constantly in the before times did you find it like leaving aside the nervousness like leaving aside the physical uncomfortable uh, uncomfortability of it like did was it refreshing to be in a plane again i i know that's an odd way of phrasing the question but (laughs) i i I know that i have friends that traveled either for work or for pleasure constantly and a lot of them were getting like the nervous shakes because they haven't been in a plane Mm -hmm. they haven't gone anywhere in a while so did you feel do you feel in some way refreshed by being somewhere else for a few minutes I, so I don't get the nervous shakes from not traveling and, but my wife does. So she very much had that sense of like relief. Um, for me, it was, it was really nice to be, I just, I really like Europe a lot. Like I could, I feel very at home there in a way that at home, sometimes I'm like, 
you know what? There's some cultural stuff in Canada that's just so boring. And, uh, and you just, before I start offending any Canadians, which I'm sure I will, or Americans, I think this applies to anybody living in North America, but like our houses are generally pretty ugly. They're only built to last like a hundred years max. And there's sort of no, like there's no design foresight beyond, you know, 50 to a hundred years. Um, a lot of things, a lot of the just city design is not that beautiful. And Europe has had the time to understand what it means to build something forever that you, you're going to keep maintaining and being in that environment feels really good to me. So, um, that was, that was really wonderful. I I was very happy to to spend some time over there. Um, that's awesome. And so you're still overseas now or you're back home? No, now I'm back home. Yeah. Okay. And so you survived the trip back, everything's good. Yeah. And and another part of it, which I don't know if you know this, but so Canada has a mandatory uh, two-week quarantine when you re-enter. So deciding to leave is a a big deal. Like we Canadians can go most places right now, but when you come back, you're committing to, uh, you know, staying at home for a while. So we we did that. That was pretty, pretty boring. Um, But it's kind of the price, the price that you pay for uh, that that little taste of of freedom. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, As a final question, because uh, I know I've gotten to know a fair number of Canadians over the last five to 10 years. um, But uh, as one of my favorite Canadians, sorry, everyone, uh, how have you ever heard of the television show letter? Kenny, are you familiar with this at all? I, I only know of it, but I haven't watched okay. a lot of it. There's a lot of Canadian TV that I, I, I can talk about, but I haven't watched much of okay. it. Or, so my exposure yeah, to Canadian TV, yeah, so my exposure to Canadian TV, I will give you the extended list if you don't mind. This is going to take a long time. I know Shit's Creek and I know Letterkenny. And I really came to love Schitt's Creek. Uh, I, it was a really delightful program, um, which has just recently ended. And then a, f- a handful of different friends from different walks of life even had told me, you really got to try Letterkenny. And Aaron and I started watching it, I think a couple of months ago. And I, it's hard for me to put a finger on what makes it so hilarious and so amazing and so funny, but I love this show. And so part of the reason I haven't watched uh, Ted Lasso I'd mentioned earlier is because we're, we're watching the American office uh, for the first time. We'd, we'd never had an opportity to see it. So we're, we're like, Oh wow. That's three quarters of the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's going okay. I think we came (laughs) to it far too late. And so I think we're, we're coming at it from the perspective of someone in 2020 instead of the perspective of someone in like, what was it? The late aughts, I think. And I think because of that, yeah. yeah, And I think because of that, it isn't landing the same way it would have had we seen it back then. Um, But you know, that's okay. I'm still enjoying it. It's just, I'm not enjoying it as much as I would expect it. Whereas Letterkenny from like episode one was just hilarious to me. Um, And and I don't really have any particular questions about it other than to say (laughs) um, it, it represents, it represents to me or it, it, it portrays to me what I feel is a very American version of Canada. And I don't mean that offensively at all, but it's like, I view Canada, my, my very ignorant perception of Canada, having only ever been to Montreal and only for a couple of days, my perception of Canada is that it's like the nicer, cleaner, more modern and occasionally French version of America. And, um, and this, this show 
is more about rural Canada, which I know intellectually exists, but is not in my mental model of Canada. And so it's a fascinating and hilarious look at what is surely a satirized, like extreme version of what is reality. And I just find it to be so incredibly funny. And I definitely recommend it to anyone listening if you haven't had an opportunity to try it because it is very, very good. Well, in the few skits that I've seen, uh, I mean, things I remember is that it's like, it's the, it's the version of the Canadian accent that Americans think we all have, I think, for, for one thing, which, which is the rural, the rural accent, which I think is the same. Uh, it, that can be similar with like the stereotypical American accent is like a Southern rural accent sure. is yep, what absolutely. we imagine as America. And that Canadian accent, that's, that's like East coast rural sort of, um, and then there are words, there are words that are Canadian accents as well, but that's strong, the, the lots of A's. Uh, and, but I mean, what they're portraying and I, I feel, I don't know where it's shot actually, but like, that's what, yeah, if, I don't that's what it feels like if I drive 10 minutes from here right now is like, I could definitely like find those, those people. And, you know, friends I had in high school were like, were kind of like that, like, um, in, in Calgary anyway, we have a lot of rural imports, like people that moved from the smaller cities of the prairies to here. So a lot of people kind of grew up in a small town and then are now in the big city. And so I, I can recognize that culture for sure. Yeah. And it's definitely about a small town like letter. in the opener, it says something like letter Kenny is a town of 5,000 people. These are their problems. And, uh, and so it's very much, it, it's appears to me, my interpretation of it anyway, is that it's very much about the small town people that are I would argue proud of the fact that they're from a small town and they recognize the advantages of the big city, but also recognize that that's not for them. And it's just, it's very, it's in a similar way to how Schitt's Creek to me was very heartwarming, even if it was doing that in very peculiar ways. And I feel like Letterkenny is a similar thing. Like it is a very peculiar way to, to manifest heartwarming, but it is heartwarming in its own way. And and it's about and more than anything. It's about these four friends, a brother and sister and, and two friends. Um, and, and they, they're just interactions and, and, and the things that they say and the way that they say it and the mechanism by which they say it, you know, um, and, and in fact, in one scene, they make fun of the fact that Americans think that Canadians always say a boot and stuff and stuff like that, uh, which I have definitely said, you know, I've made those jokes in the past for sure. So, um, it's, it, it's just, it, it, I love it. It's, it's hilarious. And, and I definitely recommend it. I don't, I, I'm curious if, and when you ever do try a Tyler, I'm curious to hear if you also find it funny, like is some of this is some of the appeal uh, yeah. to me what i've seen was definitely funny I, you know okay yeah i saw some of the like random youtube stuff and it was for sure okay yep. so I, okay I'm, I'm willing to to like dive into this i think it's gonna be okay, really good, good. I, I would say i mean if you've experienced that little canadian television i'm sure it's too late for a lot of the jokes to land but kids in the hall was that's so true. much of that's my, true. my youth kids in the hall was like that's what comedy was to me when I was young. Was okay. I am familiar with it. I've, I've not seen it, but I'm certainly familiar with it. And I should give that a try. Actually. I've heard very, very good things about it to your point. I mean, it's pretty it's just, old. Watch now, the best of on YouTube. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're right. That's what yeah. I should do. You'll, you'll get it. Yeah. They're all short yep. skits. Um, yep, and then yep. I, I also just want to throw out there as well. I mean, so you, I know you've been getting the Ted Lasso uh, recommendations, but for anybody that hasn't already heard me recommending it, I'm just really enjoying it. And I read, I read a really great piece on Twitter, uh, just a series of tweets um, talking about how well it, one of the things that it's capturing really well is it's like, it's not only a feel good show at a time where none of us feel very good, but it's also capturing this idea of 
a, 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 a like a useful good kind of masculinity. So, you know, there's a, a, a lot of, you know, which isn't something I ever talk about on the show really is like cultural stuff, right. but you know, right. there's a lot of situations we've seen in the last while where, you know, guys being too macho or, or too, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, traditionally masculine has led to yep. all sorts yep. of issues. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, abuses of power in many different ways. And this is this example where it's like a, a, a man in a manly man sport, uh, <laughs> winning and being being a, a good uh, role, like male human through kindness mm-hmm. and compassion, and he's still like being um, st- like a, a, a you know strong masculine character in a way that just like feels very um, s- smart, and it's and it's mm-hmm. like yeah, this like this feels right, and I think a lot of people could look at this type of characterization and be like, we need more of that. This, this is what yeah, we would yeah. like to see around us a whole lot more right now. So yeah. And if you didn't already uh, have enough reasons. <laughs> and I think I, I might be lying to you and I apologize, but I think the showrunner for Ted Lasso was the showrunner for scrubs, which is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Uh, Bill Lawrence, I think is his name. I, I I've been told that, th- that the same guy did scrubs that does Ted Lasso. I, again, if I'm lying, it's by accident, but, um, I, it, it's funny when I was talking about how the office isn't really for me. Um, I think if I were to come to scrubs, which again, I cannot say enough how much I love that television show. If I were to come to scrubs in 2020, having never seen it before, I suspect I would have much of the same problems that I have with the office, but because I did watch scrubs when it was new or new ish. And because I have such a, just a strong nostalgic, like bond with it, uh, I could watch Scrubs anytime, start to finish, like any episode, or I could I could watch the whole run start to finish, starting right now, and I and I could not possibly be happier. Um, and and I wonder if my problem with The Office is that you know I just didn't come to it at the right time. But I bring most of this up to say yeah, you know so. if it is the same guy that did Scrubs that is doing so, I tend to like his work, and and I'm really looking well. Zach forward Braff to did this. direct one of the episodes. I just kind of noticed oh, that in the okay. intro credits recently. So mm-hmm. yeah, and he was sure. the star of Scrubs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm definitely going to give it a shot without question. We got to either finish Letterkenny or uh, or The Office first, but it's it's on the list for sure. Cool. Oh man. Well, okay. But before we, I was about to say let's go, but you didn't tell me how you've been doing. I might I might know a little better because like <laughs> you know you've got shows where you talk about it a lot. So, uh, but like, yeah, what's new I mean, anyway? Where like what's what's coming up for you? Yeah. So mostly it's same old stuff, right? I mean, as with everyone, it's you know everything's happening and nothing is happening. But um, most most recently and most uh, interestingly, in my little world, uh, my eldest kid, his name is Declan. He is a little shy of six, and he started virtual kindergarten uh, last Tuesday. And that has been going as well as can possibly be hoped. Um, his teacher has been doing a phenomenal job. Like, I cannot overstate how great she's done. And I think some of the problem that a lot of the people locally, anyway, have had with the idea of virtual learning is that when it happened in March for our local school district, and at that point, Declan was in preschool, um, nobody really knew what to do and nobody really had any time to prepare. Much in the same way I was lamenting, you know, iOS 14 coming out today as you're probably listening or watching this. Um, You know, they had basically the same amount of time, but the stakes actually mattered. Whereas for me, it's like, okay, so an app doesn't work. But for them, like the stakes actually mattered and they had no time to prep. And I knew a lot of 
I'd heard from the through the grapevine of a lot of parents being like, well, the the springtime was garbage, and so well, I don't want to do that again. Well, nobody wants to do that again. You know, like the teachers don't want to do that again either. And and it is clear. I mean, I'm sure not all of them, but it is clear that a lot of teachers. Um, and my wife, Erin, was a teacher, a high school teacher, up until we started having our kids, and she still talks with some of her, you know, former teacher friends who are in, in or well, you know, her friends who are teachers still and they're busting their butts and have been all summer in order to prep. And again, like it is not the way I would want Declan to start school. Like, I mean, we would have kept him home regardless because we were again, kind of paranoid and we felt much safer having him home, but in a perfect world, no, I don't want him at home. Like, of course I want him at school, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, especially I, this way. Kindergarten just seems like such a yeah. challenge, such a challenge for the teachers. It's gotta be very yep. difficult. Yeah. It's been, it's been very tough, but you know, the, our school district is very lucky in that they're fair, relatively well-funded. Declan got a brand new iPad seven for school use. Like it was issued to him. I didn't buy it. It was issued to him for the year that he's using for school and they're using Microsoft teams of all things in order to do classes. But like the, the teacher has, you know, she's, she's very adept at showing her screen sometimes showing like a, an overhead view of her desk sometimes when she's instructing on like how to do a project or what have you. Sometimes she'll show a, a picture of her, you know, like a camera view of herself if she's doing something like emotive or whatever, reading a story. Oh, yeah. She's been doing such a phenomenal job and we're so incredibly lucky. And, you know, it bums me out. And how that, long is um, he in class each day? How long, how long uh, that's is a, that? That's a great question. So he starts at eight and ends at about 1230, which is shorter than a traditional school day would have been. But when you're just sitting in front of a screen for all that time, like he has breaks and he has a recess time and so on, but it's still, especially for kindergarten, like it's a lot, it's a lot to ask. And he's been doing as well as I could possibly hope. We're very lucky that he's taking to it as much as we can, we can possibly hope. And again, I can't overstate how great the teacher is. So it's been good, but it's been, it's been weird and it's been tough and it's been, it's been, it's been frustrating at times. And, you know, I, I just, I kind of wish we could go back to the way it was like, obviously that's not the way life works, but I, I wish we could go back to the way it was. I am thankful in a lot of ways that I've had this extended time with the family and I worked from home beforehand anyway. So in a lot of ways, we're very lucky that, that my, our lives didn't change that much. But, you know, one of the things that the list family liked to do was go to restaurants to eat dinner or something like that. Like not every day by any means. And by restaurants, I sometimes mean McDonald's or whatever. Like this is not highbrow (laughs) stuff, but but nonetheless, you know, I like, I like going to restaurants and our kids are acclimated to going to restaurants in the sense that it's not a problem for us to take our kids to a restaurant. And I just really miss going to a restaurant. Like the only time I've eaten at a restaurant in six plus months was one time on our anniversary where we ate outside at a picnic table, easily 30 yards from anywhere else and like a hundred yards away from the restaurant, you know? So, so it's not the traditional dining experience that I used to like. And, you know, I'm, I like McDonald's, but I, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite places, but I would kill to be able to like <laughs> safely sit inside a McDonald's and eat yeah, yeah. like a quarter pounder with cheese. Like as dumb as that sounds, I would kill to do that. And I'm leaving. So I mean, obviously we occasionally would go to a nicer place, but even just the stupid stuff, like I, I, gosh, I miss that so much. I miss seeing, I miss seeing friends up close. I miss, I'm a hugger. Like I, I like, giving hugs to people like that. Well, that sounds really creepy, but hopefully you know what I, you take the spirit of what I mean by that. Um, you know, I just, I miss, <laughs> sure I miss that. Yeah. And you know, we, we've, 
gotten to the point that we have seen my parents, like my parents were a little more cavalier than we were comfortable with for the first several months of quarantine. And then they locked it up. And so we've been able to see them. And that was really the first person that we had been like physically close to in months. And, you know, I cried, I cried my eyes out when I could finally give my mom and dad a hug. And, you know, I'm 38 years old. That probably sounds preposterous, but I hadn't been able to do that with anyone other than my own family in four or five months. And just being able to like embrace someone that you really care about that you haven't been able to do that in so long. It's just such a powerful feeling. And it was so, it was so awesome. And, and I'm very lucky that we at least have that much. And, you know, not everyone is lucky enough. Like, you know, I have two younger brothers and they live a couple hours apart from each other, but way out in California. So like, when am I going to see them? I don't even know. And I have two, I have a niece and a nephew and they're in California. Like, I don't know when I'm going to see them again. I mean, presumably at some point, even in America, things will change enough that we'll be able to travel and get on a plane without being so fearful. But I mean, I look at Canada, I look at most of Europe, and I just am so jealous that you guys have any uh, any ounce of normal, not to say that Canada's normal yet, but like even a modicum of normal, I'm so incredibly jealous of. And, and, and I hope, and I believe that you do, but I hope that you, Tyler, and you, collective you, if you're living in a place that has got even some semblance of normal, I hope you appreciate how amazing that is. In the same way that like my Californian friends are saying, oh, I hope you appreciate how nice it is to be able to breathe outside right now, you know, because they have all right, those fires yeah. at the moment. You know, it's, it's funny yeah, how such basic, simple things can be so powerful when they're removed. And, and I hope that yeah, this, yeah, for me anyway, really I hope it, granted. Yep, I hope that I, I do a better job of appreciating it in the future. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're definitely not alone in a lot of those feelings. Yep. Uh, and uh, you know, you're saying missing friends from California. I'm, I miss California. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Uh, I do know, as well. I, you know, I, I like when will I even more. see yep. the States again? Like I can't yep. even, I, I don't even know when we will ever be back in the U S right now. It's like, it's hard yep. to even imagine, which is really sad because I, mean, I love, I love the U S a lot. Yeah, if I were you, like I wouldn't come anywhere near us. Like it would be nuts to come down. <laughs> we're already here right pretty now. near. I mean, it's well, just a it's few fair. hour drive. It's yeah, no, but yeah. you know it's what Montana, I mean. Though, like, but well, still yeah. though, it's it's oh, well, and God, it's this also mess. this would have been the year. There was just all these things that were lining up at the beginning of year the year that yeah. I would have met a whole bunch of you tech people for the first time. Like I probably would have met you and Mike and whoever else yeah. uh, would have been like at WWDC. And there's a mm-hmm. few events that were lining up. Like this is great. I'm gonna yep. you know be able to meet all these friends I've made online and. Uh, it all fell apart. So and it would have been such a great experience for you too. The year because, after next year. Yeah. yeah. And it would have been such a great experience for you too, because at, at this point you've already done the work of making friends with all of us. You know, it's not like, you know, my first WBDC where I knew one person and then I had to like put in the work to, to figure out all these friends with them. And I, and I, I don't mean that in a nasty way. It's just, it, t- it, it's, it takes effort to become a friend of somebody. And you know, you are my friend and I would have been, Oh, Tyler, come here. Let's let me introduce you to this. So-and-so and such and such. And you actually, in most yeah. cases you would have known so-and-so and such and such already. So, you know, this would have been, Oh my gosh, you would have had so much fun this year. And, and I'm really bummed that it didn't work out for a million different reasons, but not being able to see you is, is one of the big ones. Well, Casey, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm glad we could reconnect and um, hopefully it won't be so long before we can talk again. Yeah, I'm really hoping, hint, hint, that perhaps when it's iPhone time, maybe <laughs> maybe you can, I don't know, call on me again if the, if the need arises. But yes, it has been way too long. I'm uh, so glad to hear that you're traveling again, that everything's starting to come back to normal. And I am here whenever you need me, my friend. Mm-hmm. 